Hi, John. How are you this week? Hi, Elliot. How's it going with you? Uh, things are okay. Things are okay. So, um, you too? Yeah, things are good. It's I think as we've already talked about many times in 2021, this is the year of focus on domestic terrorism. And two things I wanted to chat with you about. One is um, I saw a press release from DOJ that uh, a second member of the so-called Boogaloo Boys, unquote, pled guilty to conspiracy, but conspiracy to provide material support to Hamas, which, you know, given their anti-Semitism doesn't surprise me, but sort of does surprise me. Did you, did you see that? I did see that. And, you know, um, it reminded me of some conversations you and I have had over the last six months or so about not only the continued um, increase in domestic terrorism, but the growing connection between internal or domestic and international terrorism. Right. And that's yeah. uh, each each of those buckets of terrorism are obviously very troublesome. But to see them starting to get together and work together um just uh, just takes the threat and heightens it that much more. Yeah, in this particular um, case, according to the release, um, he pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to provide material support uh, to designated foreign terrorist organizations, to, to your point, international terrorism. It faces, uh, he faces a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison, and this was investigated jointly by uh, Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, but like you said, the, the the connection it can't be ignored. It's just, it's not again not incredible, but in a way, sort of is. The good news, I guess, is there are statutes. So he pled guilty to violating one of them, so that's uh, good. But also, I I noticed that Attorney General Garland testified this week for appropriations for DOJ. And his very first statement in, in his uh, in his oral statement to the committee was that his budget supports his commitment to addressing both international and domestic terrorism. Yes. And uh, uh, that's uh, he's made statements about that uh, before. We've seen strong statements from uh, various elements of uh, law enforcement and the Department of Justice that that is a priority. And uh, it's uh it's good to see that there is alignment between budget related things and, um, and public statements because uh, you really need budget support to make a lot of those public statements actually come true. Yeah. He's asked for um, an increase of 45 million for the FBI for domestic terrorism investigations. And interestingly, 40 million for us attorneys to manage what he calls increasing domestic terrorism caseloads. So again, not good news, but positive that the that U.S. attorneys uh, both need the funding and obviously they're, they're going to be bringing more cases in an area that, again, we've, we've talked about many times, is more and more such a major problem for our country. Indeed. Uh, I just want to circle back to the um, DOJ release about the um, uh, the Boogaloo Boys issue, and you mentioned that ATF was involved, and Part of the reason there uh, was that um, uh, the activity involved um, cr uh, manufacture of components for illegal firearms to be sold to Hamas. Um, and again, as you mentioned, uh, this investigation was uh, very multifaceted from uh, FBI um, 
uh, field office, the Joint Task Force, and ATF. And I think we'll continue to see that uh, federal and uh, state level law enforcement will be combining on these investigations because uh, uh, they're complicated. And where the first piece comes from that gets them on the trail can be uh, a lot of a lot of different things. It wasn't indicated here that it was an SAR, but uh, right, right. we know that many of these things do start with a SAR or a phone call from uh, from uh, a financial services company or someone else uh, out in the public. You know, fi- final points are related to what you just said. Uh, we've talked to some of our peers in the financial world, and obviously they're. Um, you know, they're charged with, you know, dealing with SAR policies and procedures. And when it comes to domestic terrorism, uh, some banks are being proactive. Other banks are being cautious, depending on what their lawyers tell them. And it's interesting, at least anecdotally, um, I've heard from from several that uh, internal counsel in some cases says, you know, we, we may we want to hold back potentially filing a SAR because it could be. First Amendment rights, which, again, we're both lawyers. That's insane, because if you think the transactional activity was suspicious, A, there's a safe harbor that we're both well aware of that protects you. And B, I think you'd be hard pressed to make a First Amendment case if it has to do with violence. So, you know, you can make those general statements if, if you like. I don't mean you. I mean, they can. But I think we're going to we're going to hear more. I'm curious what our clients, what the community is going to be saying about this six months to a year from now, because uh, the pushback that some are getting from counsel, in my view, seems to be a little off, off center. And so um, since the FBI, DOJ, U.S. attorneys are going to be focusing more and more on domestic terrorism, you know, our, our colleagues have to do the same uh, and obviously be careful about what they do, but also not, uh, you know, not be hesitant because of potential issues that really seem to me to be a stretch. I agree. Uh, but it is a complicated area and we, there isn't, there isn't a great deal of, um, uh, law in terms of guidance. So it is, it is putting these, uh, counsel in the position of, uh, trying to, uh, uh, look into the very murky crystal ball, but I agree with you. I think that, um, being thoughtful and practical is important, but overly conservative is probably not the track to take. So more to come from both of us on this as we go through 2021. Yeah, John, I want to remind you of something brand new for you and I, and that is that this podcast is now available uh, through Spotify. So our entire catalog of This Week in AML and AML Conversations, in addition to being available in the other sources that we've talked about over the last a uh, number of months is now available on Spotify in their podcast section. So for those of you who uh, continue to pass our name around, or if you're new to us, that's a, a great source that you can find us every week. Oh, that's, that's excellent. And since we are doing some plugs, I know we're going a little bit over time. I want to remind people that we have a whole uh, site off of our website dedicated to our project, empowering together women in AML. So there's a whole series of interviews with uh, key leaders in uh, the AML and financial crime prevention space. So if you get the opportunity, take a listen, look at some of the, uh, uh, some of the content, including some of what we think are excellent interviews about career pathing and sponsoring and mentoring and all sorts of things like that. All right, John, you have a great uh, weekend and I will talk to you next week. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye.